reading this morning had a passage in it, a verse in it, uh, that basically is a statement that takes us into one of the interesting things in the Bible about the relationship between God and God's Word and alcohol, because Paul's addressing the church in Ephesus and addressing us uh, today through the, the Bible and saying to us something about alcohol and our relationship with it. Do not get drunk on wine, he says, which leads to debauchery. Do not get drunk with wine, on wine, which leads to debauchery. And it is, it touches on that area of relationship that's often been a struggle in the church to see where alcohol fits into the lifestyle of a Christian. And there's been extremes at different times in history. But that's basically one thing that the Bible says, do not get drunk with wine, which leads to debauchery, which is a fairly friend. Alcohol can be a big problem. It can lead to big difficulties. It can lead to big hardships. But set that alongside the fact that alcohol and wine particularly is a symbol, a picture of new, new life, of the new life that Jesus came to bring, the kind of prologue in John's gospel uh, to Jesus' ministry. Has Jesus at the wedding in Cana of Galilee turning water into wine? And wine is used in the Holy Communion service as a symbol of the new life, the life of the future, the eternal life. So God obviously doesn't disapprove of alcohol, but yet that relationship's not a simple and easy one for the church, because drunkenness leads to problems. Drunkenness leads to all sorts of difficulties and hardships. And the Bible is not very happy about drunkenness. In, God, in fact, God's Word's very strong in drunkenness, and uh, in wine and and, uh, and other strong drinks. The, the book of Proverbs has several cartoons, if you like, about God and alcohol. And one of them is, wine is a mocker, strong drink is a brawler. And you can see how that ties in with the fact that do not get drunk with wine, which leads to debauchery. Because debauchery is something that obviously God does not like, and God does not favor, and God, does not, God frowns upon and judges. And debauchery includes things like violence. Strong drinks a brawler. Wine's a mocker. It ties in with basically the misuse of words and the misuse, uh, the abuse of words to uh, mock other people. It ties in with things debauchery does, like uh, rape and, uh, and date rape and all sorts of things that flow in terms of sexual immorality from, uh, from drunkenness. From drunkenness, not from wine by itself. So you can see that the Bible has big concerns about alcohol. And in one sense, alcohol got a bad press in the past week. And I have a few slides up here. Hopefully, we're about to start them. And there was the whole health concerns in the paper this week and the whole health concerns in the media that alcohol can be bad for your health. But listen, so can a whole lot of other things as well. Nearly every week there's a new one. <laughs> and another wee one about Lyme disease people who have Lyme disease shouldn't drink alcohol. Well, yeah, you can well understand. There can be health problems. But it also got a bad press because of the behavior of a couple of guys with a lot of booze in their bellies. Uh, ben Stokes in the trial this week where he was acquitted of uh, assault. But very much when you looked at the screen, the, the, the shots from uh, the TV cameras, the CCTV cameras in Bristol, he was certainly out of it, wasn't he? In terms of the violence, he was out of it. He was out of control. And Danny Cipriani got himself into big trouble as well. That's the other guy, the, the guy up at the top there. He's the English 
uh, just returned to England, scrum half, and he got himself in trouble basically for assaulting a police officer, a female police officer, uh, when he was drunk, when he was out of it. So alcohol got a bad press, and often it does get a bad press. But it's not the actual stuff itself that's the problem. It's our use of it and our abuse of it. And we've got to take a stand, and we've got to find out where we stand. I would be TT for decades now. Uh, teetotal, that is, if you don't remember <laughs> what that was. <laughs> uh, not a motorcyclist. But, um, but I would be TT, and people take that stand for gospel reasons, for health reasons. Others don't have to take that stand. Because, in a sense, it's not what alcohol is, it's what alcohol does. And the next slide uh, gets a wee bit about that. Uh, because basically, when you drink to excess, you've drank a whole lot, you get drunk. And when you get drunk, you're liable to do all sorts of things that you wouldn't do in your normal kind of behavior. So says Paul, do not get drunk with wine, which leads to debauchery. But he compares that shockingly in many senses. He compares drunkenness with being filled with the Spirit. That's a shocking thing if you think about it. And uh, there would be some people in the church very uncomfortable with that, as there are some people in the church very uncomfortable with Jesus turning water into wine. But Paul uses alcohol and even the alcohol of drunkenness as a picture of being filled with the Spirit. But he's not talking about being out of control. He's not talking about Christians getting involved in debauchery. He's basically concerned about being under the influence of the different things. It's when you're under the influence of alcohol, as people who get involved in debauchery often are, they're under the influence of it. They're controlled by it. They're being bossed around by it. They're being pushed in different directions to where they want to go by it. They're under the influence. And drunkenness is not a good place for Christians to be because they're under the influence of something that shouldn't be controlling them. They're under the influence of something that's a gift of God, but it's never meant to be a master in our lives. Sin, uh, sorry, alcohol is a, can be a good servant, but a bad master when we're under the influence of it. But Paul says, nevertheless, don't be under the influence of alcohol, but be under the influence of the Holy Spirit. But be filled with the Spirit. Be full. Be full in exactly the same way. Be full of the Spirit. Be guided by the Spirit. Be led by the Spirit. Not be controlled by the Spirit. That's a bad word, I think, for, to use about the Holy Spirit's ministry in our lives, to control us. We're under the control of the Holy Spirit. We're under the influence of the Holy Spirit when we surrender our lives to Jesus. But controls are, it's a mechanistic sort of thing. It's a robotic sort of thing. And alcohol may well have that mechanistic, robotic effect on people when, we're, when drunkenness comes in, but the Holy Spirit doesn't make us magnet, uh, uh, um, robots. That's the, word. <laughs> the Holy Spirit doesn't make us robots uh, who boss and, and controls us in that kind of way. But be under the influence of the Holy Spirit, and all you are and all you do basically is what Paul is saying here. And he's talking in a context in Ephesians chapter 5. He begins a passage of Scripture back about verse 16, where he's talking about holiness, where he's talking about walking in the Spirit, where he's talking about revealing holiness in Jesus, where he's talking about basically being surrendered to the Lord. And he calls us to be filled with the Spirit, to be that, because we haven't got them in ourselves. We haven't got the, the strength or the power or the ability within ourselves to be holy, 
to walk in the Spirit. We haven't got the power to do that. We haven't got the power to reveal Jesus in ourselves, of ourselves, and by ourselves. We need to be filled with the Holy Spirit for holiness sake. We need to be filled with the Holy Spirit to walk with the Spirit, <coughs> to walk in the Spirit. The picture of that, hit the next one, Dale, please. The next one is, uh, goes back a few weeks ago. This is gone now. This is Spelgadam before the rain came back. This is Spelgadam. About a month ago, you know Spelgadam up in the morns. It's a lovely, fantastic place. But you wouldn't have seen Spelgadam like that too often until the drought early this summer because things were uncovered as the water levels shrank like a bridge and a road there, if you can still see it, uh, that haven't been seen for decades. But the reservoir is a picture of being filled for a purpose, being filled to basically refresh and renew. It is a reservoir that provides water to Belfast and Banbridge, my hometown. And there's also the, the headwaters of the, the River Ban. And out of the overflow of the reservoir, out of the overflow comes refreshing, comes renewing, comes strengthening and ability to do things. And the Holy Spirit is like that. The Holy Spirit, we're meant to be filled with Him, flooded by Him, to the top, basically. And out of that overflow, we're meant to walk in the way of holiness. We're meant to walk in the Spirit. We're meant to glorify Jesus. And we're meant to worship Him in a very particular way, way which we'll come to in a moment or two. But we can't do that without being filled with the Spirit. And there's another picture too, Dale, please, of a camped ship. Uh, you know a wee bit about ships and the, more like the yachts from Ballet Home here, but you know a wee bit about ships in Bangor, but if you look at that ship, there's one thing that's evident, at least it's evident to me, there's no wake. Why is there no wake? Because there's no wind and the ship's not moving. Now, I could be shut down by some of you for that, <laughs> but I think that's the case, because there's no wake. <laughs> The wind in the sails is not there. And again, the movement of a ship, the movement of a ship like my life, like the church of Jesus, the movement of a ship needs the wind of the Spirit, the fullness of the wind. Wind's filled with uh, wind in the sails. So that's basically a call and a challenge to, know, to let us know that we need to be filled with the Spirit. We never make it in the Christian life in any way that makes a difference for Jesus unless we're filled with the Spirit, unless we're filled to overflowing with the Spirit. We can't find holiness. We can't worship God truly unless we're filled with the Spirit. Now, that's a dangerous thing to say, but I hope by the end of the sermon you'll know what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about particular ways of doing things. I'm talking about being empowered to do what we're called to do as Christians, as believers, as disciples of Jesus. Next slide, Dale, please. And hit the next wee button. It does affect worship. It does basically make worship. It basically enables us in worship to be what we're meant to be. Paul writes these words to the church at Ephesus. That translates in today's terms. God speaks these words to us in the church in Bangor today. That we have got to be filled with the Spirit to be worshippers in the true sense of the word to be worshippers who worship in spirit, words of Jesus, worship in spirit and in truth. To that we're called. To that we basically are invited to worship in spirit and in truth. And the spirit is the energizer of that worship. 
And those two commands that we had in the Ephesians chapter 5, verses 18 and 19, do not get drunk with wine, which leads to debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Those are the two commands, and they are commands. They are commands that we choose to obey or not. But it leads in the next few verses to three parts and parcels of how we worship God in Spirit-filled ways. And the first one is about speaking to one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. That's what Paul's saying. Be filled with the Spirit and speak to one another. He's talking about the church gathering here. He's talking about the church assembling. These are plural words in the original language. Be filled is a plural word. It's the call to the whole congregation to be filled with the Spirit. And speak to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs is a word to the whole congregation. Speak to one another. There's a horizontal aspect to worship, a horizontal aspect that we need to grab hold of because in so many ways, we learn so much of what we understand of the gospel and what we understand from the Bible. We learn so much of it by what we sing. The church has always been a singing church. The Old Testament church, the Jewish church, was a singing church. The Psalms is the result of that. It's their prayer book and their hymn book and their song book. And there's so much in it that's teaching one another, speaking to one another, communicating to one another. Great truths about God, about the Father, about the Son, and about the hope of the, the Holy Spirit and the hope of the kingdom. Great truths are proclaimed. As people sing together, we build one another up. But horizontally also we're to speak to one another in a very real sense by encouraging one another to worship. And that Psalm 100, go back one, Dale, please. If you can go back one. That, that passage there from Psalm 100 is from the, the, what's called the Jubilati in the Church of Ireland Morning Prayer. And it's there for a purpose. It's there for a purpose near the start of the service to encourage the church to speak to one another about getting involved in worshiping God here. This is what we're here for. Shout for the Lord. Shout for joy to the Lord on the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord, he is God. That's not addressed to God. That's addressed to one another in the congregation. And it's an encouragement to worship. Get involved here, folks. Get us stuck into worship here. Fix your eyes on Jesus in our terms. Lift your eyes up to God. Pro proclaim him, preach him, love him, serve him. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. Speak to one another in a horizontal way. Build one another up. Encourage one another up. Encourage one another. That's what we're called to do in worship. Speak horizontally to one another. Minister to one another. And teach one another through the songs we sing. We've just sang There is a Redeemer, which is a brilliant song. I would say maybe more a brilliant modern hymn in many senses than a spiritual song. But brilliant. Full of theology. There's a year study at Bible College if you take the words of the verses of that hymn and seek to encourage one another. And we're saying here to one another, there is a Redeemer, Jesus, God's own Son, precious Lamb of God, Messiah, Holy One. That's we're saying that to one another. That's horizontal. But yet it's all, in many sense, lifted up towards God. Speak to one another. It's a, it's a, it's a plural verb. It's a congregational thing, this business of worshiping in the Spirit. The King James Version, the old authorized version, just to make a point here, it was be filled with the Spirit, speak to yourself. The Psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, speak to yourself. 
and that might sound a bit strange. Basically, we're filled with the Spirit to talk to one, just to, to speak to myself, to go around talking to myself. Is that, that a bit strange? But it's actually because it's plural. Be filled with the Spirit. Speak to yourself. Speak to yourself as a congregation. Speak to one another in the congregation and encourage and build one another up in the faith, horizontally listening to one another. But it's a command also. This is something we're called to do. Then the next slide, please, Dale. But not just horizontal songs, but vertical worship. Worship that is lifted up to God. Worship that is <coughs> focused on God. Worship that glorifies Him. You are the everlasting God. We sang earlier on. It's very much focusing on God. And worship, Spirit-filled worship does that. Spirit-filled worship enables that to happen. Spirit-filled worship comes from the heart and enables our heart to overflow. Enables our heart to overflow with praise and worship and adoration and love and exaltation to God. We can't do it without the Spirit. We can do it when we're filled with the Spirit and should desire to do it and love to do it and enjoy doing it. It doesn't matter what the hymns and songs and psalms are. If they're addressed to God, and if they're true in terms of their words, if they're addressed to God, we sing from the heart. We sing from the heart. Even if we can't join in the words sometimes, even if we don't know the tune sometimes, we can still be worshiping God and join the worship, and even silently singing from the heart as well as singing from the lips. Some of us aren't great singers, that should never stop us singing from the heart to God. That should never stop us singing hymns of praise, making music to your, in your heart to the Lord, because we can do it silently. What in Belfast they call a dummy fluter in the band. You can look as though you're doing it, but in your heart you are, even if the sounds coming out are just making a joyful noise. Some of us are joyful noisemakers rather than music makers, and the Lord loves it all. But we need to get engaged in that way. The Holy Spirit's fullness enables us to engage in that way of worshiping the Lord by singing to the Lord, singing and making music to the Lord in our hearts. And there's a third bit of this worship as well that Paul says. Next slide, please. Speak to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Sing and make melody to the, to the Lord in your heart, giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. Giving thanks to God the Father for everything. Giving thanks in every situation. You can misunderstand that and misuse that when it's for everything. And God isn't calling us to give thanks for everything. And there are bad things that we don't thank God for. I don't thank God for when I see people having cancer, but I thank God that in that cancer, he can be known in his love and his grace and his power and his majesty and his shepherding care. But giving thanks to God the Father. That's a big part that's missing often, I think, of our worship and our spiritual lives. Again, back to there is a Redeemer. Thank you, O my Father, for giving us your Son and leaving your Spirit till the work on earth is done. Thanking God for the big things, the big things that, are, that He gives to us, like Jesus, like the Holy Spirit, like the church. Thanking God for those things but also for the ordinary, everyday things. And we're not good at that. We're not very good at that as Christians. I know sometimes in prayer meetings and smaller gatherings like that, we say to people like, 
We're going to take a moment or two of silence and just speak out something for thanksgiving to God. And the silence is deafening, <laughs> usually speaking, isn't it? We need to be much more tuned in by the Holy Spirit's fullness to thank God for everything, to be thankful people, to be people who have every reason to thank God for Jesus. But in Jesus, there are so many riches to be had. And thanking God for those is vitally important in our spiritual life as well. So we're called to be spiritual worshipers. We're called to be people who worship in the overflow of the Holy Spirit. We're called to be people who might, if you like, have something of that spirit where alcohol loosens lips, loosens tongues. And with the Holy Spirit's fullness, rather than leading us to debauch songs or songs that are mocking or scandalous, rather than leading us to debauch songs, it leads us to worship songs and psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. The Holy Spirit leads us into that. And there should be something of that captured in our lives, captured in our own individual walk, but captured in our congregational life too. So be filled with the Spirit. It's a command of the Lord to every single one of us. Be filled with the Spirit as a congregation. Seek to be filled with the Spirit. Pray that we'll be filled with the Spirit when we gather together as a congregation. Pray that that will be increasing our experience. But in one sense, we're the answer to our own prayers here. Because the congregation is filled with the Spirit when individuals who make up the congregation are full of the Spirit. And we, you and I individually, need to be filled with the Spirit as well. We need to be part and parcel of the great movement of the overflow of God's Spirit to take the glory of God out into the world. We need to be filled with the Spirit. How can we be filled with the Spirit? By going to Jesus afresh and anew. Jesus is the one who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. Hit the next slide, please, Dale. Jesus is the one who is the baptizer. John the, John the Baptist introduced Jesus in his ministry in that way. He is the one who will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Jesus is the one who floods us with the Spirit, who baptizes us in the Spirit in terms of drenching us, who brings the Holy Spirit to overflow into our hearts. We go to Jesus. If we want to be filled with the Spirit, we go to Jesus. We go thirsty. We go, we were saying we were hungry. That's the same image, in a sense. Different picture, but the same image. We go thirsty to Jesus. and find that Jesus is the one who will fill us with the Holy Spirit, as he said to the, the lady in Samaria, the woman in Samaria, whoever drinks of this water, whoever drinks of the water that Jesus gives, whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting or eternal life. We go to Jesus as <coughs> disciples of Jesus because we feel dry. We feel like, if you like, Spelgadam Reservoir. We have no overflow left in our lives. We feel like a yacht or a ship becalmed because the wind of the Spirit's not in our sails. We go to Jesus and he fills us and he floods us to overflowing he fills us with the Spirit and continues to keep that flow of the Spirit within us. And we need constantly to be being filled. That's what the verb means, be being filled. Keep on being filled with the Spirit because we leak. And we need to be refilled every day nearly. We need to be filled. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh in me is a prayer we should be praying every day. 
I do, because I need it. You do, because you need it. Be filled with the Spirit. And keep on being filled. And glorify Jesus by how you live, by walking in the Spirit. Glorify Jesus as we worship him together as a congregation, and on our own, but as we worship him together as a congregation, as congregationally, we speak to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. And congregationally, we sing and make melody to the Lord in our hearts. And sing together as a congregation, we give thanks to God the Father in everything through the Lord Jesus Christ. May that be us. And may we be thirsty enough to seek his fullness and his fullness this and every day. Let's pray.